I'm just so excited to have this conversation. We've been talking about doing this for so long. This has been a long so, time. Yeah. Long time coming for sure. Thank you guys. We love you so much. This is really great. I'm glad we get to do it in person I know. instead of over Zoom. So oh this my gosh. great timing. I miss in-person podcasting so much. You still get to do a lot of it. Almost all of it. Yeah. There's okay. a rare occasion where I'll, I'll do a Zoom, um, but it's one out of 10 now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get to the point where I can start flying people in. There <laughs> so you go. I like it. We have it set up. But Kelly and I get to podcast in person. So that's fun. We do. It is very nice. So I think, you know, I, I, I just want to say before we really get into this is just how much you guys mean to us um, already. <laughs> Two minutes in. <laughs> um, you had such a special role in our wedding. And so much of that, I remember when I first met Connor and he talked about you both so much as these people that truly helped shape him and impacted him in such beautiful ways. And I was like, God, I got to meet this Cal and Peyton. Like, who are they? And I remember meeting you both for the first time and just your energy is so palpable and the way you impact everyone that you're around and the way you love people. And I've just seen how much you mean to Connor. And so it, it's so special to us to have you in our lives and to have had you a part of our wedding and, and to facilitate the blessing of our, our wedding and our marriage. And, um, I would just love to honor you for that because I know that there is such intention in the way you both live. Um, and it's really beautiful to witness. And, and so much of why I was so excited to have you on the show is because I feel like you guys have truly paved a path for younger couples to see what's possible. And I know your relationship hasn't been perfect and you know, I think that's beautiful that you could admit that and, and talk about it openly with people. But I really just want to thank you for for paving the way for us to see what's possible to people who didn't really have examples growing up of great relationships. Um, and so thank you for doing that, because we really have taken it to heart. And I think we think about that often. We're like, what would Callan Payton do? What would Stephen Christine do? Um, and that's always in our minds and conversations. So I just wanted to start with that. And thank you. I'm just going to breathe that one in because <laughs> how do you respond to that? You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah Thank thanks. You. And, um, Connor had a big part in, in my journey, <laughs> you know, as, as I came out of the, you know, Las Vegas shooting awakening for me less than a month later, you know, Connor and, and I and Kyle sat in ceremony, my very first ceremony. And it was, profound. You know, what I didn't understand at that moment was that I didn't have it all figured out. There was a lot of intervention <laughs> to do. Um, but yeah, he was, um, very much a guide for me in a very important part of, of my growing and mm. learning and accepting of a lot of the stuff that I wasn't ready to accept about myself. And so I'm super grateful for, for that. And just our relationship over the years has, has grown to be, you know, it started out as a couple of fitness bros. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Scott's still Arizona. Yeah, man. Yes. And then, you know, sitting here in Austin when I moved here and you had the gym and just having a, f a few coffees over the, some of the challenges you were having and me thinking I wanted to get into that space. And, you know, that may have guided me to stay away from it. Yeah. Because that's what I thought I wanted to do. Dude, I was actually, I went, I just dropped by, um, CrossFit central where I, my first like real job, first like big boy job, I think I was like 24 yeah. and I was the youngest anchor coach they had there, which means you coached the popular classes like five 30 in the morning, six 15. 
or the evening classes. Those are anchor ones. And I, they never had somebody under like 29 coaching those classes. I was 23 or 24. And I got kind of recruited into that. And I was talking to Carrie the whole time. And we were just catching up. I hadn't seen them in years, you know. And I've, their kids are all grown. It's just a weird, it's like, man, I was used to, this is like a place I just idolized and wanted to be and like worked myself into this situation. And I was talking about everything that had happened since then and just kind of reminiscing. And I was like, I just should have been a coach. I just should have stayed a coach. I was so good at it. And I tried to be a business owner and everything went to shit. <laughs> it was like, it was so important. And then I burned myself out and I'm like, I just, I just can't do this anymore. And you were through that whole thing. And one of the things that was really helpful with you, Cal, in the situation is that I didn't have like, and my granddad raised me and he's awesome. Right. And my dad was, a, I think he was in jail at the time. So like we weren't, didn't have a person really to go to. My granddad's answer was like, oh, you'll figure it out. He's an oil man. He got the seventh grade education and became a millionaire in the oil field. He knows the oil field. Can't even read and write very good, but like the dude did it, you know, but that's his mentality. He's like, oh, you'll figure it out. And I'm like, I need someone to give me some advice. Like, yeah. That's also That's good advice sometimes, but sometimes it's not and I'm like, what do I need to do here, bro? Like, I don't know what's going on. This shit's all kind of crazy. And it was really helpful to have someone just to like touch base with that. I could be, that would actually give me like point me in a direction versus, well, you'll learn from it anyway. So whatever, I'm like, I need something else here. Come on. And you're right. There's, there's real wisdom in that. Like, dude, you've got to actually go through it to figure it out for yourself and have that experience. And yeah, you got burnt out and, and you should have been a coach or maybe you shouldn't have been a coach. Maybe you should have done exactly yeah, what you did. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is probably easier to say now, way easier to say now than when it was happening. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I was just talking to um, a friend, Mike, who you just met about this, um, this very thing yesterday. And he was sharing about someone close to him who's having some struggles. And it's like, I just don't want him to get hurt or he's, He's like, I don't want him to get injured. I said, well, maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe he needs to hit a real rock bottom for him to shake himself out of this state he's in. Mm -hmm. so we don't know what these experiences, as painful as they are, what's down the road, where they lead us. Yeah. So it's really, fuck, dude, it sucked. I remember just feeling like all that you were going through and just, yeah. you know, back then, like not understanding what holding space was, but just like, trying to, <laughs> we were just, I mean, we were doing it and I didn't really annoyed. understand at the time either. We're just working out, just talking, that's just working it. out and talking. But that's all I just needed to be able to talk, you know, and I needed somebody who could listen. Even if you didn't give any advice, but I just needed to be able to say all the things yeah. that I needed to say. And to somebody who actually understands the space, which is, I had no one else that could do that. That wasn't a competitor or somebody who had an agenda for me to do a certain thing. It's like, okay, this is a kind of truly objective party, which was looking back now. So, so helpful. And I think to, to kind of piggyback on what your friend said, and as we're going into parenting and all these kind of things and thinking about that, I've thought, I've had this kind of idea that what I got growing up was, and I consider myself like pretty privileged in growing up. My grandparents raised me and my parents were addicts. I could make a whole story about how I was a victim, but that's not really necessarily true or helpful. But one thing that was really important to me, I realized that I could fuck up and there were consequences. There were consequences, but it didn't ruin my life. And that's one of the biggest differences I'd always noticed between me and my dad. My dad would fuck up at 16, you know, and he was in, you know, got himself in some trouble. And there's some lot of like personal stories there about things that were kind of outside of his control as a teenager that led to that. But then you're in the system, right? And then you just never really can, like you're playing that game. Whereas, oh, I get to get a DUI when I'm 19 or 20 and I was 20. And like my granddad could cut a $6,000 check and get me out of that. And I'd have to go, you know, I'd like had to got my driver's license suspended whatever. I was a kid, I was did something stupid. 
but I got, I didn't ruin my life, but I got like the consequences of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it didn't like, right now you can't find that on the, it's all gone. Right. And I got the, uh, the gift of having that. And I think sometimes with, when I look at going in parenting, it's like, how do you balance the consequences for fucking up without shielding them from like those consequences, but also, cause you have to have those things in your life. But if you overcompensate and like, there's no consequences for the, the fuck ups and you have to also give them the opportunity to fuck up. It's like all this stuff is in my head. It's like bouncing around my dome right now. And we look at you guys and y'all's kids are older now. And I know it's probably pretty exciting because like you are about to be like empty nesters <laughs> before too long. And I know it's pretty crazy. Peyton's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Exciting, terrifying. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm excited about that because I love, I love having them around. Mm -hmm. They're just awesome. Each, all three of them. They're just. Well, yeah. your comment right there was very pivotal for me sitting with that feeling. It was pivotal for our relationship. So I remember sitting with that, like, how am, gonna how am I going to feel when the kids are not here? Because kids can also be a distraction in your relationship. Mm. And when I really sat with that, I, at some point in our relationship, I realized that I had some deep sadness in our relationship. Um, and it was beautiful that I sat with that question because it is what gave us the shake, as you were saying, to make changes in our relationship and, and, and put more attention into our relationship and recenter or even see like, okay, what are we going to want when we are empty nesters? And, and, we, and yes, so I don't, I don't want to digress, but that being said, um, that question is so important because all of a sudden you you know, you're doing the parenting thing, you're doing the parenting thing and you look in the mirror and you're like, wait, who am I without my kids? And who is this partner? And, and do I even know this person anymore? Cause you tend to live these parallel lives doing the thing and, and just doing your best at doing the thing. And all of a sudden you wake up and you say, shit, we've just been doing the thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and, um, We've spent so much time investing in our children in our own ways that we perhaps haven't invested in ourselves, mm. in our relationship. And, um, and that needs attention now. So, yeah, and that's, that's super common. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the kids sure. are either consciously a distraction, like, fuck it, I'm just going to be a dad or a mom. And that's my role. And just, you know, almost disassociate from the relationship because I'm busy doing this. Um, and it's, there's, there's another layer to it too, that I, I think, I mean, you can't really speak to because you haven't gone through it yet, but I think for, for mothers versus fathers, this is actually different as well. Cause I think traditionally the mom takes on the role of kind of holding the family and the dad is maybe more career oriented. And so when the kids start to leave the house, there's an identity like, oh, I'm not really the mother anymore. I'm not taking care of all these things. And, mm -hmm. and again, it, oh, it, I've already started transitioning <laughs> in that space. Yeah. But do you know For what I mean? Sure. And it's not like I, I'm already feeling that it's like that cord again. It's this other cord. It's like, you know, the cord at birth. I'm feeling that cord being cut now and sitting in that time where it used to be chaos at from four to six and then standing in the kitchen alone and it sucks 
it's like all of a sudden, where are my kids? They're up in their room, like talking to their friends, you know, you're doing your thing. And I'm just standing in the kitchen. We're like, this used to be mayhem. Mm -hmm. And I freaking loved it, you know, crying, screaming, helping me cook, like trying to do all the things. Like it was chaos, but I got really comfortable in the chaos. Mm -hmm. It was very familiar. And then all of a sudden I'm just sitting in the silence and it was uncomfortable. And so anyway, I, I am, I'm, I am, I, I feel like I am starting to transition in that phase and feeling that discomfort. I'm really trying to process that. So I, you know, I appreciate you bringing that, but, but I'm like already starting to feel that for sure. Well, and I'm wondering if, if, if it has anything to do with the women that you've seen whose kids have left and gone off to college and, and what I, what I witness. And again, I'm making an assumption because I'm not, that person and I'm not really in the relationship, but I see them getting really involved. Like as the kids are getting ready for college and this is like this hyper, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say overstepping of bounds, but really for us, like we kind of let our kids do what they, they got to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. And so just seeing a lot of over parenting, it's like holding on to the mm -hmm. last grasps mm -hmm. of yeah. that, that purpose. I could see that. Because there's a, you know, a, I think a, a, a lot of, uh, I don't even want to say that, like there are women in that role who, who feel that they can't do anything else. And, mm -hmm. and like, what am I if I'm not their sure. mother, their sure. active mother that's, you know, has the kid living in the house. When it seems like the way Peyton's handling this is the, what I would say as somebody who doesn't even have a child, but like as a kid who, I was a kid, I was a teenager once, it's the right way to do it. And I think what you're talking about is the inverse, right? It's like, okay, it's 15. These kids start making right. their own decisions. You got to start like getting used to them going away at that when they get into their teens. Right. And, and looking at that and trying to preparing for that. And like, they do kind of start to ostracize, like separate themselves and individuate in these different yeah. things, which is hard for moms. A lot of times hard for parents. It just depends on who's, yeah. you know, what, who, which kid it is and these kind of things. But when you look at it, it's like, you're exactly right. You got to start like loosening the reins in that yes. time versus these people that like are just on top of their kids about college from the age, from sixth grade. And then they get engaged in this and they're like doing their applications for them and they're doing this other thing. It's like, this is an essential part of preparation for the real world. And right. Doing it with love. <laughs> oh, the best yeah. of intentions completely. Best of intentions. But, but it's, you, yeah. Yes, it and then it goes, and it's abrupt I, whenever it's over. Love is a part of it, but there's also an insecurity and there's an yes. attachment. There could be so many I, things. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not just they're, because they're so loving. Like, yes, and all these other things. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times it's easy. I mean, you know, we have to check ourselves as parents. It's like, it's not your trophy. Yeah. <laughs> Kids um, perceive successes, failures, whatever. It's all like, it's all their own feedback. Like you're not a better par parent because they made the team. You're not a better, better parent because like you're parenting Stay yeah. in your lane. Like they're going to experience their own experience. And when you attach as a parent to their achievements, like that's, that's when it can get very sticky. Or, that's their, also, or even their struggles. Well, that's yeah, then you get to understand if you look at like narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder, that's how that stuff gets wired into people. And people don't think about this, but like if you, if your child perceives that their, that your affection for them is conditional upon achieving what you want them to achieve, that wires them to be that kind of person. And that's that, you know, a couple generations down of that kind of behavior, you end up with somebody with, like a narcissist. That was my relationship with my mom. 
my mom was like full narcissist, everything. She lived everything vicariously through me. And so it was like, I had the job at Dodger stadium on the field with all of her heroes. And it was like, that's my daughter. And then I left TV and she like, didn't know what to do with herself because God forbid it wasn't the life she wanted. And I wasn't living it for her. And that's where it gets, you're right. It gets so sticky because I learned that if I didn't do what they wanted, I would disappoint them. And that everything I achieved was like, oh, well, I'm their daughter. So now they're proud of me. So I'm still unraveling that at 34, not having realized until later. And that's so hard. You do have to make that separation. But I think, you know, we even talk about that now kind of joking because we're going to get pregnant soon. It's like, you know, he wants to hunt with the kids and we talk about what sports are going to play. And I'm just so cognizant of not putting my own shit on my kids and why I want to do the work now is because I don't want to project my whole experience onto my child, good or bad, like play volleyball, don't play volleyball, but I don't want you to be like the child of this volleyball player who was great and then have that pressure, you know, just things like that. I just, I just want to be cognizant of that because I think it's a slippery slope and I don't know how you get out of it. Well, and I think it, you know, it starts with awareness. It's, you know, you have this experience, like I lived this life, I did these things and that felt good to me. So that's a, a relatable experience that you think that maybe they could experience too. And it may be pleasurable or, or what it could be painful for them. We don't know, but that's our own experience with Mm -hmm. it. And I think you just like realize when you have the awareness, I recently had the awareness our daughter changed schools midway through a freshman year from a very small school to a big school. I also did that. And I had this moment of like, did I just kind of, did I just make this happen? <laughs> like, well, like, is, was this her choice? Like sit with it. Like, and, um, and, and it was her choice, but isn't it interesting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of the best you can do. Mm-hmm. At least that's what comes up for me is have the awareness of, you know, you love hunting. Of course, you're going to want to share that. Absolutely. Because that's what, that's what brings aliveness out in you. And we want to show there's those experiences with our kids. Um, but it's, it's more like putting it on the buffet table. Look, yeah. this, these are things and try it on. And then also like, you know, we introduced, we put on the buffet table hockey Cal was a hockey player um, and loved it. And I remember seeing you play hockey for the first time. And I was like, talk about t- a turn on. <laughs> yes. I grew up in, I grew up in the South where no one played hockey. Like we were big football fans. And so seeing him play hockey and he was skating, he was skating backwards. <laughs> I can, oh, that I does can, it for her, huh, I Cal? Can, I can do it. Yes. <laughs> I got to bring the hockey skates in the bedroom, evidently. Just in underwear, very sexy. <laughs> I was like undone. Um, okay. <laughs> Pain is hot and bothered. No Pause. Do you, guys, yeah, do you guys need a break? Need a minute. <laughs> Just a minute. Um, but truly. Okay. But, but then I remember we introduced that to our children and they're like, eh. You know, and I'm like, Ooh, hockey in Texas feel? is a different. It's a different. This was thing in Chicago. Oh, it was in Chicago. Chicago. Oh, yeah. we still had potential, a little more potential. But um, and you know, I, I I commend you because you you did not attach to that. You're like, yeah, you know, it would have been cool. It was a cool experience for me. But and I guess I haven't thought about it to this moment. You really just didn't attach to that. You were like, you know, we tried. Like that's not their thing. 
And I was aware, wow. I was aware enough of what was happening around me of people who weren't doing it that way. And I was like, God, that's just like so much pressure for the kid to follow in these footsteps. And mm-hmm. I was like, I just want to be like, tune in to do they really like this? And, you know, for our oldest, he was really good at basketball at the time. So when he got into hockey, he was like one of the worst kids. And so that was really hard for him. So you go a couple of ways. You say, okay, well, you got to keep doing it to show that, you know, you can improve. And just because you're starting out here, or it's like, okay, maybe it's just not you. And maybe your thing is that you don't really want to try things that you're not good at. I don't know. I can't figure this out from a nine, 10 year old kid, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not into like, if I've got to continually like, get him excited to go to practice or like get him in the car to go to practice. Like it's not happening. And I've never, you know, I don't say never. I finally got to the point with the kids where if, if they just didn't want to play a sport anymore, I mean, there were times when depending on the level that they were playing, it's like, okay, we're just done playing. Like, yeah. I fucking don't care if you quit. If you quit the T-ball team, like your T-ball team's not going to suffer. <laughs> they don't even keep score, I don't think okay. anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's that, like all that old programming. If you've got to complete this, like, well. It depends on what level, 1,000% to me, it depends on what level you're at, I think. People counting on you? Yeah, okay. that's a different thing, yeah. Some, you know, rec team that more kids are going to get to play now because you're not there as a warm body. Okay, like, what are we doing this for? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I remember as parents, like, in Chicago, sitting and us discussing how involved our children were going to be. And we really sat with that of like, okay, do we want to sign our child up for this league and be there, you know, X amount of hours on a Saturday? Or do we want to take that time and go in the backyard and play with them and practice those skills? And selfishly or brilliantly, (laughs) we chose to just be with them and practice those skills. And I remember when our, our oldest son finally went to like play baseball, they were like, Holy moly. Like, how can that, how does how can he pitch so accurately? And we're like, Oh, maybe, maybe, I mean, we don't know, yeah. but maybe it was that little like blue tape we put on the back of the fence yep. that we were just like, dude, just throw it. And then, you know, Cal's in the yard or I'm doing my best not to get hit in the face with the ball, trying to catch it. And maybe it was just that time. So he had to learn the, uh, the, the rules and things, but skill wise, and we didn't want to just spend our whole weekends as a family, like out on the field where he's just standing there. We're just like, we chose that as parents. We're like, that just sounds awful for us. Yeah. That's a great idea. And, and specializing in baseball is too as young is, is a, is more of a problem than a benefit. These kids are there for two hours doing nothing. Maybe yeah. a kid gets up, you get to bat, but that was the one. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, it's not even just the weekends. It's like, got to go to practice. And they just, they, we were like, no, most you. coaches yeah. don't know what to do with these kids. Yeah. They're, they're babysitters. Around. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jake and I would spend, we'd sit out on the, the sidewalk in, in Chicago in front of our house. And he would just pitch to me. Yeah. And he had a friggin' hose on him by the time he <laughs> decided to play. And I think it wasn't, he played one year before we moved. And so he was like in fifth grade when he really started to play. He was really good. That's when kids start getting good. I used to umpire little league, little league baseball oh, really? and uh, this eight, nine year old, just like it was the, it was the strike zone was toes to feet or toes to head. It was like the whole thing. And then you had to, there'd be kids up there that cause it, the kids that weren't really going to be playing later on, were still playing at that age. So as an umpire, I would sit up and be like, Hey man, 
you need to swing at the next one, wherever it is. Just, yeah. just get that bat moving. You're going to well, strike out regardless. But I would be, like, for, you know, and, and the coaches yeah. would support that kind of stuff. You know, they would be like, hey, man, like, go talk to him. But then you go to like 11 and 12, 10 and 11, 11 and 12 year old, 11 and 12 is where it got serious. And kids, are, some kids now, now you have kids getting testosterone. The older kids are throwing 70 mile an hour fastballs. And those kids that like couldn't swing a bat at a 30 mile an hour pitch now didn't even want to play anymore because they were just getting clowned mm -hmm. and it was like not fun for them. So then it got to be really fun for us because you had kids turning triple plays. You had kids, you know, it was like there were certain kids that just stood out and it was so fun to umpire those games, but you kind of had to like earn your way to get to those games from the, through the little kids games. But then you see the parents and dude, I could, we got paid $20 a game. I did this through like my last three years of high school for the sophomore. I didn't play baseball, so I, I get to umpire. And my stepdad was an umpire, so we would switch from the field to the behind the plate. But we got paid $20 a game. If you did softball, you got paid $25 or $30 a game because the dads with their daughters no. and the moms were so much more aggressive that you had to deal with so much more bullshit and none of us wanted to pit umpire softball. <laughs> you had hazard dude. pay. Yeah, it was like, it was exactly was hazard pay. And we're like, dude, I, I, a lot of these guys that were the coaches of these teams worked in the oil field. So I knew them. I knew, and I knew my granddad. So if I like made a bad call, I'd go over there and be like, hey man, I kind of fucked that one up. Like, sorry. And they're like, oh, it happens, whatever, you know, like it's super cool. You know, it's like, Hey, it's a, I messed up, you know, at least I'm going to come and admit it. And, um, which didn't happen often cause I was pretty good, but it was seeing the parents that gave me a lot of insight into like how I don't want to be like that guy. Exactly. And wow. one of the things I think about with sports is like, I'm split on whether I want, if we have boys, if I want them to play football or not, I don't know. And football's changed a lot since I played, we played a much more physical game than what it is now. Even watching the Super Bowl, I was like, nobody's getting hit. Like even the sacks are like, it's like, it's like a softer game. It's now. more gentle. It's much more gentle. Like there was a guy like they, they were wrapping people up and like not tackling them. I'm like, tackle the guy. What are you doing here? This is the, the highest level of the league. Like what are we, what's happening now? Um, so maybe because of that, that may be a little more um, interesting to me. We'll see what happens whenever they're old enough to do that kind of thing. But my big thought is what did I take away from that? Like team sports, yeah. losing is super important. Winning is super important. How you win, how you like pick up people that are not as good as you which is, you know, as an athlete, the kids, I'm assuming our kids can be big. <laughs> so yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But it's oh, like, poor as, a, as a kid who was like six foot in junior high, like you get special treatment. And even if you're not very athletic, like you have a place to play. And it's like, how do you going to, so it's not necessarily they need to do football, but I want them to do something where they have that has those components in it where it's like, you got to work with other people. I don't care if it's math d debate club or, you know, marching band, you know, it's yeah. not going to be as fun for me, obviously selfishly, but as long as you get a chance to compete, and be on a team and like work together and win and lose together and see how that, like that stuff I think is much more important as long as it manifests itself in some way in the, in a kid's life. Sure, so yeah. I've, I've tried to like zoom out of it and not say I'm yeah. so attached to like this kid scoring touchdowns or whatever Yeah. to like, I just want this kid to learn how to like do the things that I thought were helpful in me later on in life, you know? And so I think that's helped a little bit because it is when you look, especially when you look at football, cause you're like CTE is a thing. Like, yeah. and I don't know what's going to happen to me later on. I got my bell rung for the first time when I was in the fourth grade. We played full contact football in the fourth grade. <laughs> Welcome to Texas. So it's oh, like, yeah. I don't know what's going on. You know, like it could be turned 50 and all of a sudden like things, you know, start drooling, who knows? And it's, it's, that scares me. So I don't really want to expose my kid to that necessarily. I have a different, and I know a lot of play people who either played in the NFL or have worked in sports in that way. And like, I don't want my kid playing football. Like to hell with that. Yeah. And like, you know, you see it. it's the same as UFC fighters. Like, you know, some fighters who are, I don't know if you've met a few, I'm sure. Some of them are sharp and some of them are about a half a step behind on any conversation yeah. and they're good people. It's not that it's just, but you get hit in the head a bunch of times. Like things kind of get sideways, you know, and it's not your fault. It just is what it is. It's how the game goes, you know?
Totally. And you know what, you actually brought up something that I think is, is super important. It's when you're at games, whether your kids are young, you're going to see a friend's kid play, like pay attention to the people who are around you. And that was what really stood out to me. In fact, so much so that I would do the best I could to stand by myself away from everybody. Cause it, one, I was so triggered by how douchey the parents were. Yeah. And just like the coaching of the kids from the parents, like, fucking so annoying and so anything i would say would just be positive like good effort good job fucking yay team but i couldn't stand and that was like a great reflection for me like don't be that guy yeah. don't be that mom don't be and that not dad. trying to analyze it after the game yeah was it fun yeah how'd you feel great you know they're like what'd you learn to the next thing like can yeah. i go play with my friends like let it go well one one big thing that happened for me baseball did this for me actually we had a coach who was super overbearing in pony league. So like right before high school and it was me and like some of the most athletic kids that we were also friends with on the same team. Right. So two baseball players, one was an all state football player. One was an all state basketball player. As we grew up the hell of, and their, their brother was six, seven and could like, he would, he could dunk when we were, he would dunk in games at high school, which was like unheard of in this little town. You know, he's like, there's just a freak family. Their sister is like, it was a freak. They're all all state. Every one of them. But we were on their team. We were eighth grade pony league stuff. And we were, and we, our coach was just a dick and we weren't doing very well. And then he was like, you know what guys, fuck it. You guys coach yourselves. Second half of the season, we lost one game and went to the championship and we had the most fun. We made the roster. We made the batting lineup. We put ourselves in what positions we thought were best. Gosh, and we had a great time great and we, and we ended up, he was like, he just sat there and just hung out and we, we would practice and he would kind of lead the practices and stuff. But in the games, it was like all on us. And I was like, I want to coach like that. Be like, what do you guys think? Who do you want to bat the cleanup? Like you want to rotate it out every inning? Like, what do y'all want to do? Like just, and have them engage in the conversation. Cause that was, it was so fun to be like, oh, I'm not sitting here disappointed because the coach didn't do what I wanted to. It's like, we're on here as like a committee of like yeah. the starters who are figuring out what's going where. And then we would even rotate in kids that weren't as good, especially when we were winning, we would go sit on the bench yeah, and not go, okay, we're, this pitcher sucks. So we're going to go smash home runs. Yeah. It's like, let's get the kids in here who can hit, who can't hit very good and let them play. You know, let them go, let them lead off. Like it was, and it was, that's what kids want to do, you know? And it's like, that's, that's more fun than like, oh, the coach, we need to win. And we didn't think about winning. We had wads of bubble gum in our mouth, probably a, to a, to a danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm choking on that stuff. We're like, spit, you know, if we're baseball players. So you like spit and like think you think you were cool. Like, you know, like you're Kirby Puckett or something. And then you're out there and it's like, you're having a good time. You know, and that was, I was like, that was, that's what little league and young sports should be. You know what I mean? That's it. How it's do like you if you're playing fun. Yeah. Like playing peewee football and putting the big boy in the back at the fullback and let him score a touchdown from the one yard line. <laughs> yeah. Like that's why not? Yes. That kid's never going to get a chance to score a touchdown his whole life. Like make a memory for the kid, you know? Yes. That's what it should be about. And this is like so much of life. I think is like that with kids too. It's like so serious. And that's one thing about the college deal. That's always tripped me out. And I don't know what, if you guys, I'm sure have had those conversations, but like everybody's so adamant about their kids going to college and they think about this stuff from like, I mean, especially in these like ritzy towns, kids are going to pre-K for college prep. Yeah. And I did this thing on politically homeless the other day about how universal pre-K actually leads to worse grades and worse behavior in elementary school mm. because they're not socialized. They have five and a half hours of instruction time in pre-K. It's oh. a three oh, and four year olds in the universal pre-K system. I was like, what? So they think they're giving them a leg up, but after this first half of kindergarten, all the other kids are caught up to them. And then their behavior and grades tank in second and third grade. Mm. And they did this long study. And I was like, why do we even, what are you trying to teach three and four year olds besides how to finger paint? Like, unless you're instructing them on how to play like kickball, then I don't know what you're teaching. What are you teaching them? Well, yeah. you're not teaching them to feel alive. 
Yeah. Like social skills should be the primary thing. Like what, what is meaning in your life? Yeah. Right. It's like, Hey, you're born. Okay. I'm gonna give you a job. This is your job for the rest of life. Ooh. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. And it's going to, to me, I'm like, you should be teaching them social skills. The introverted kids, you should probably teach them to maybe speak up for themselves. The extroverted kids probably should teach them to like, shut up sometimes, you know, like, Hey, like a little control here. And well, and allowing a child to, to get to know who they are. Yeah. Man, like who, who am I? What do I like? What, what feels good for me without being told this is who you are. Yeah. You know, who would you be with some, if someone never told you who you were, right? Like, can we try to create that space for our children? That's freaking tough. Right. And so our oldest child graduated high school a year ago. So, you know, we, we've sat with this conversation and it was really hard for him. It was hard for us. Like, I don't know if, if, if you experienced this Cal, but for me, you know, when I'm, you know, at a breakfast with all the, the moms and everyone's talking about the college applications and a little, and I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> looking around, like, I don't even know what they're talking about. <laughs> like, did I clearly drop a ball somewhere? And then coming home being like, all of a sudden, like feeling angst, like I haven't done enough. I'm not, you know, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I, I want my child to feel supported, but it's not my job to, for him to be excited to go to college. Like I will help guide him and support him if needed, but, but I, I was challenged with that. And, and, and I would get in a tizzy of like, Oh my gosh, I haven't done anything for my child or I don't even know. And am I ruining his life because he's not going to the <laughs> school? And, and so I got in a tizzy and I was like, we're going to college night. So got everyone in the car and we go to college night and our child would not get out of the car. And it hit us like, okay, you're going to stay in the car. You know, well, of course I was like, get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we just let it go. And we went to this college information session situation. And, um, we quickly <laughs> realized like, he's not ready. And, and there's a lot of fucking crazy that? people in these <laughs> things. Oh yeah. my God. I, I think we're, our, our intuition is correct. Like just let, let it unfold. However it needs to let's support him. Let's nudge him. Let's let him know what the college experience can be like, but there's, you right. know, like there's that options. Just let him know, like, hey, college can can be a fun four years where you just kind of fuck off. Like, it does, you know what I mean? You kind of like, like pseudo grow up. You're yeah. kind of on your own, but kind of not. You live in a dorm. You got a cafeteria to go to. Like, it's like, it's, it's, if you need that, that can be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a bit of a rite of passage, you know, for, for, you know, it's our the best we got as far as our culture goes, un- anyways. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're hoping to shift that. And, and also, you know, I'd often said, you know, kind of years leading up, but I don't, care if he goes to college or whatever he does and so i was confronted with that yeah (laughs) do you believe this cow exactly it's like in in how you're going to respond and yeah you know it's like i just want him to be happy i also want him to know that college can be a fun experience and so not like yeah dude do whatever i want him to have the information or at least through my experience what it can be like but also no pressure and so he's working here in town thriving he loves it. He's like, I, I was just talking to someone the other day, like the, the amount of growth that we've seen in his less than five months of working 
he's not going to have that in college. We don't yeah. really grow yeah. up. We, mm-hmm. we have other experiences, but he's like more in touch with his heart. Mm. And I see just, it's not just the words coming out of his mouth, the way he is with Peyton, the way he is with me. He is, he's showing so much affection and gratitude and love. And like, he's getting into his heart. It's like, Whoa. Like we're not going to, again, we don't know how any of it, yeah. any of the other paths, um, turn out because he's taking this one, but it's awesome. And he came to me the other day. He's like, I think I might want to take another year off. Maybe take some classes at Austin community college. And I was like, great. Yeah. Like you're liking what you're doing. You're learning. There's some things that you're learning about yourself that are really interesting. I like, do at the end of the day, college will always be there. You don't need to go. And you're just tuning into what is fun for you. This is what this whole thing is about. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I'm 50 and I'm still learning new things that I love and they're way different than 10 years ago or five years ago. So it's like, don't feel any pressure to be anywhere else than what you're doing. And, you know, the other thing that the, the one, one of the things I struggle with is, you know, we've done really well financially. And so our kids probably more so the two boys than, than our daughter, but like, I don't know what it feels like to grow up and maybe feel like that casts a big shadow. Mm-hmm. And so I try to be really um, intentional about when we talk about financial success and, and money and those things, we're like, by, by the way, uh, you know, we had all this financial success and it wasn't too long ago that I was really unfulfilled. Right. So it, I, I, I love having it. Yeah. It's great. But it's not the thing. It doesn't mean you don't go for it. Do whatever drives you. Mm-hmm. But just like letting, like just letting them know that they don't have to try to live up to to dad's standard. For me, it you know wasn't hard to out achieve financially what I grew up with. Yeah. It's not a knock on my parents, but you know, I had different aspirations and I had a path that got me there. Yeah. And the finance world is, it can be super lucrative if you like get in there and hustle and like have a few, have some success, like that success compounds on itself and the right time. Like if if it would have been 2006, it would have been a different conversation going into 2008. Yes. But it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, and that's really cool. And one thing that I grew up with a lot of, um, we had money, right? Like my granddad, I said seventh grade education, worked himself to a millionaire. And there was times when the oil was crazy. He was, and he's told me, it was like, and I'll, I mind saying this, like half a million dollars a month <laughs> in oil production. Now they got taxed to the sure. nth degree, especially under the Obama administration. But like, it was crazy, but that would happen. And then it could be, the oil could go down to $30 a barrel. Now it's $60,000 a month. So it's just a different, it's so flexible. But I grew up even with that money and we didn't have like crew super nice things. And my family grew up poor as shit. So they had zero financial literacy, which I realized later on in life that financial literacy is actually more important than money. If you understand how to deal with money, how to, where to put money, how to make money, because now after all that, that money's not there anymore. It's gone. And I don't know how the hell that happened. Looking at it now and the way the lens I view the world through and Kelly and I talk about this, I'm like, how is there not like $15 million just sitting around somewhere? Like that's not, that's not the case anymore. And I don't mind saying those kind of numbers. It's like, it's, that's the world that we lived in. Yeah. This guy got a seven. It's like, everybody should be, this is the American dream. He yeah. didn't even, he had to drop out of school because his dad died. Him and his brother did. To, so his sisters could finish college, high school. And he worked as a fry cook at the airport or at the air force base. 
And before that he was delivering papers when he was like six. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was a world. different world. And he learned how to, he knows what the hell is going on down in a, down in a hole. Yeah. Like he just knows what's going on. But I got to work 12 hour days for $10, $5 an hour at first then $10 an hour, then $10 an hour for time and a half over full time. So we were getting thousand dollar paychecks a week as 16 year old kids, but working and it was 110 degrees and you're in a river bottom, breaking out a piece of 50 year old flow line, 30 inch, 30 feet joints every day with steel toe boots on that you had to replace every year. Cause you would wear them out. Like we had, we would mm. use the steel toe on our boot to put the pipe on to get the wrench up underneath the pipe, killing snakes. And then sometimes you have to like, you didn't have a right away. You had to like go through the woods to get this stuff done. One time when I blew my S one disc out of my back when I, for football, I was because we had to have a back, uh, we had to have a dozer pull our truck, pull the trailer to string this pipe. <laughs> That's how rough the, the country was. And then we were all, they were all like 10 feet off and these joints are 300 pounds a piece. So you got to pick one up and drag it 10 feet, every one for two miles. <laughs> so when I went to college, I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Even though we had money and my college was paid for and all that stuff. I'm like, I, and then I had to have a conversation because our whole plan was he understood downhole operations. I was going to get a business degree and I was going to go back to Texas or down to, you know, Fort Worth, Weatherford area. And we were going to run old. That's what we're going to do. The oil business. That's what I was going to do. And I had to have that conversation as a 20 year old be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I want to be in fitness. I can't, I don't want to, I have zero intention to have a $500,000 F250 driving around, checking on wells and being, I just, I just didn't, it doesn't do it for me. It's a gamble too. It's crazy. You spend a million dollars putting a hole in the ground and maybe nothing's there, which that, that excites me, but it's a crazy situation, but I got to actually work. And that's one thing we, we have more than what, like we have a better structure than what I had then. But even like things around the house, that's why I want to have property. It's like, Hey, get your ass up at six o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, we're going to work. And if you want to get, you want money to go do a thing like, and I, I, because I grew up that way and I'm like, that was important. And also from the age of five on, I was a gate opener. So I would go right, we had to go through a bunch of gates on these properties. I had to memorize all the gate codes and I'd get out of the truck and open the gates. And then sometimes I get to sit in the middle of the truck and shift the gears on the standard, tr- yes. on the, on the, with a stick shift, you know? Yes. And so I got to, I talked to my granddad about that now as he's kind of nearing the end of his life, you know? And I'm like, I'm so glad that I had all those days from five in the morning till 5 PM when I was a kid, just riding around, just ri- I learned how to drive a stick shift when I was like 12 years old, I could barely reach the pedals and I was doing the thing in a one ton Ford, you know, just cruising around like a 1994, one ton Ford. I love that truck. <laughs> it was the first thing I learned how to, drive. but all those memories I have because we were working. So it's not like it was hard sometimes, especially when I got old enough to be able to actually work. But it was like, that's time. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that stuff. And that's something I really want my kids to be able to have, because I feel like that was necessary for me. Even if we're just clearing brush or like, you just, and I know sometimes looking back, I'm like, we just did shit. So I had something to do. Yeah. You would pay me $5 an hour just to do something. It didn't even need to be done. Well, and I think I had such a different experience than that. I'm now just learning what chores are and <laughs> taking care of the house and doing, because I was worshiped as the queen of my home. Like my parents bowed down to me. I never touched a chore. I didn't do anything. I was a straight A student and one of the best volleyball players in the country. And my mom always says, that's your work. Those are your chores, which thank you. I got a full ride scholarship to USC. They carted me around, you know, all over the country to volleyball tournaments and provided me such an amazing life. And I turned into such a prissy little bitch because I didn't know how to work in that way. And now being with Connor, like, we're out shoveling the snow at 6am and yeah, I'm helping him do all this yard work and all these things that I've never done. I do pretty much all the laundry and the cleaning in the house. And it's just so interesting the way we both grew up being so different. And now as we're growing together and looking to start a family, it's like, what are our values? What are the things that we really care about that we want to instill in our kids that we either did or didn't have? 
And how do we kind of blend both of our experiences to provide something of value for our children and to also let them create their own experience as well and to not be attached to it? I think that there's just so much nuance that goes into, I imagine, raising children. And then I also think about, as you guys were talking, of like how many ego deaths you have to go through as a parent (laughs) in order to allow your kids to be who they are. You know, you really like, I just feel like you have to die over and over again, your identity, your expectations, so they can create their own experience and not have to live, you know, the way you want them to, or decide is the best for them. Babe. Hola. Hola, como estas? You know what (laughs) Are you going to speak Spanish to our children? They will have very poor Spanish. Like the gringo that you are. They're going to get in trouble at school for like. I was I was actually playing Xbox the other day, and this guy had his little microphone on. He was the only person. He was just screaming punta the whole time. It was funny as hell. I was like, he would speak. He was wait. Next, is this with the headset that you got yeah. that makes you look like a complete fucking nerd? Yeah, but you it was, guys, it was, he was just, a complete was just so funny. fucking nerd. I was like, nerd. I was playing, and he would like get killed, and he would just start screaming like only words like curse words I knew in Spanish, and it was hilarious. I was oh. like, I was actually not even mad about it. Usually, when somebody does that, it's super annoying, but. And also don't make fun of my headset. You come in there and laugh at me. I'm trying to be in here and assert my dominance online. Don't assert your dominance. Yeah, dude. I got to assert my dominance. With the 12 year olds that you're playing against? I assert my dominance in the physical realm, in the podcast space, and in the online gaming communities. Does the physical realm include the the bedroom? What? Does the physical realm include the bedroom? I mean, kind of sometimes. Depends on what mood I'm in. Sometimes I get, I like to shoot a bunch of people in the face on, on the internet and then I get all riled up. And I come in here like I'm after war and just like, Ravenge you. Ravenge? Raven, whatever it is. Ravage. Ravage, ravage. New word. It's fine. I do what I want. So, um, you know what I like to fuck with? Some really good CBD. Oh, yeah. CBD is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll be in. Our friend Joe Shahey created the dopest CBD company there is. And we can actually speak from experience because I would say over the last I don't know, five to 10 years, you and I have tried pretty much every CBD on the market. There's been a lot of CBD. They, 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 they're about us. They want, to, they want to put the CBD inside of us. They Everybody's do. trying to put Like literally, CBD. there's like CBD things that you can put inside of you. And I got, I've got like, <laughs> I've got some homies that do CBD stuff that is cool and they like send me free stuff, but I can't shout them out because I'm so committed to Cured. Yeah. So I am obsessed with their whole line and we were joking with Joe and Lauren, his beautiful wife. Um, at there's their, also ice bathing in zero degree temperatures the other day, which I was very impressed with. Yeah. He's, he's pretty, he's My pretty ice bath dope. is completely frozen and it's bumming me out. It's turned over right now trying to thaw out, but we were joking with them because Joe asked Connor what he takes and Connor was like, I'm not really sure Kelly puts my vitamins out for me. (laughs) So I was telling Joe about the array of things that I give to Connor. Um, So we are obsessed with their whole line. Truly, we take it every day. It is a huge part of what we're doing, especially as we're getting ready to get pregnant. We're going through IVF. We were loading up on CBD, um, you know, just trying to help our system in every way from our immune system to sleep to uh, regulating inflammation, all of that. But and gut health, obviously, Kelly. Yeah. Gut health. Did I say that? Oh, I said immunity. My bad. Uh, Immunity and gut health. Thank you very much. Um, But I am obsessed with their salve. And I have told Joe about this every time I talk to him. And I've literally gifted the salve to every single one of my friends. Um, And it's something that I use very regularly, whether it's muscle aches, pains in my back, um, pains in my ass like Connor. Unfortunately, the salve does not help with that problem. Um, but it's also amazing when I'm on my period and I'm cramping, which, you know, I'm no longer, what'd you say this morning? Is your pussy rojo? <laughs> 
I am no longer having a rojo pussy. <laughs> what you... Roja? Rojo? I don't know. My Spanish <laughs> also also struggling. Uh, anyways, but I love the salve and I highly recommend it to everyone. I know I've given it to Connor whenever he's fucking whining like a little bitch about something that hurts. I used to, I used to use it as lube. Oh, that. that tingle. I don't think I need that. I don't think I need that it up inside of my Roja pussy. It increases blood, blood flow to my peen. <laughs> it makes it 10 times larger. <laughs> it's it's like getting stung by a bee. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, we are obsessed with Cured. Again, their whole line, but I'm a big fan of the salve. So you can go ahead and use our code OKBABE and you'll get 10% off. And that link is in the show notes. Babe, you know what the other thing I love? I don't, you love so many things. Though. I love so many things, but I really love some love fucking life. Organifi. Yeah, you do like Organifi, especially when it's zero degrees and you're out there sipping on that warm goodness. It, yes. And um, I've shared this quite a bit on Instagram um, and with many people in my life who I know have dealt with IVF and have had hormone issues or women coming off birth control. One of the hardest things is detoxing all of this out of your body. Um, and I think oftentimes we mistake ourselves and we think that detox means just take everything away, but we forget to put all the good nutrients back in. So over the last couple of months, I've been loading up on the Organifi red and green juices, which Connor likes to steal because I make them ahead of time, like the night before. So they're all ready to go and cold in the fridge. And if then Connor is, drinks some, them all. If something is in the refrigerator prepared. It is fair game. Oh, is and it? And I will drink it and I will not apologize for enjoying okay. the red juice that I drink out of the fridge, out of your jars. Oh, you why do you like there. the red juice, babe? I don't know. It tastes really good. It's really nice. I feel like it's healthy for me. It's, it's one like, of those a like, in the sky. It's like a diamond in the sky. <laughs> I uh, in. Um, sometimes you drink a thing, you know, you put it inside of you, and you're like, oh wow, that, that's good for me. And mm-hmm. You can just feel it like soaking into your body. The your antioxidants are entering your cells, and your cells are your like, body's yeah. like, yeah, like it's like bone broth does that. Mm-hmm. It is. You so you drink it in, or like just be, it's like water when you're thirsty. You're just mm-hmm. like, your body's like, like it's like um, you know that movie uh, Sister Act, yes, where they're just dancing. That's what my cells are doing. <laughs> Like they were like, you got Whoopi Goldberg on your insides. Like before other red juice, they're like sister act before Whoopi Goldberg gets in there and they start singing. Um, what song is that that they sing? Ain't no mouth. No, they sing that song. Is it? Yeah, keep me from getting to you, Lord. The whole thing, you know. Oh, I don't think that was it. That's in there. I guarantee you it is. But anyways, so it's like my body pre red juice is sister act in the first scene or the first uh, act. And then after that, it's post Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> especially when the little white lady starts singing. I feel like that's that's my favorite. The tiny little lady with the yeah, big voice. The yeah, big voice. she's adorable. <laughs> she's the best. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about the green juice, I just want to add in because I've had a lot of different fucking green powders in my house and they're all just gross. Let's just be honest. I love the green from Organifi because it has matcha in it. And so it tastes way better. And they've just done a really good job of making something that's really good for you actually taste good. Yeah. So I hate green juice. Um, and I also refuse to actually juice. So it's nice to have this. It tastes amazing. Actually juicing is fucking stupid, by the way. Tell me more. It's just, you just, you're like, you're like getting like 10% of the actual thing. Yes. And you're just like making a bunch of pulp that goes nowhere. It's the dumbest thing ever. Which is why when you take things and put them into a dried powder, you get all of the nutrients that you need without a bunch of sugar. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Love it. Um, so you guys can go to Organifi.com slash OK, babe, and you'll get 20% and off. Enjoy it very much, friends. Enjoy it very much. Connor, why don't you tell everyone about your salty situation? I like to put element in my mouth and Ooh. then swallow it and put it inside of my body Ooh. for ultimate hydration. That's muy nice. There was a time in my life where 
I was, you know, I was out there just wandering around trying to work on my fitness and health. And this man named Rob Wolf just wandered into my purview. And ever since then, he's been kind of been like, and he's like old now. He's like, he's like jacked and does jujitsu and he's like 50 years old. He's kind of a pimp and he's kind of a nerd. And I appreciate that about him. And when they came out with Element, I was like, wait, Rob Wolf has never really come out with supplements before. So this has got to be legit. And our friend Jalen works for them, which is fantastic. So we got some samples and I was like, this is the greatest thing that has ever existed in the history of my life. And if you're doing anything that's like, whether you train a lot, hot yoga type stuff, hiking the back country, like all these different things, like physical exertion, or you're doing a low carb keto slash paleo type of situation or carnivore type deal. You need those electrolytes, baby. You mm-hmm. need that salt, you need that magnesium and getting it without sugar. Like it, this is what I say on, when I read this ad, I'm like, if, and I know there's people out there in my audience that are like drinking fucking sports drinks from the store. Why? Why? What is wrong with you? So gross. Like you don't need red, red dye number six. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this, it makes no fucking, it makes no sense. So I'm like, replace it with this. This is way better for you. And there's like, so, if you go to the website, drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T, you can see all the research they've done on introducing salt during your workouts. Um, I mean, I can, I haven't done a hot yoga class in a long time, but I can imagine those, those super hot ones where it's like 109 and you're hammering it and you're sweating everywhere. I can only imagine how good element would taste in the middle of that in your little water bottle. It's like, it's so satiating and hydrating and I drink so much more water because of it. And I take it out when I'm hunting, I take it out. I have a pack in my car at all times, like a whole box of them. Um, I'll mix it in my entire like water bladder when I'm hiking. (laughs) Just like I put like four of them in there and shake it up. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the best. It is. Unless when I need to go make coffee with that same water, which I have done, and it is not great. So I don't recommend making coffee with element water. Except maybe if uh, it's the mint chocolate or the chocolate one. Yeah, but that's not, that's only to be done hot. I'm talking about like I use the same, I run out of water and I only have the water that's in my little pouch. Yeah. I have to make coffee with it. Oh, you mean cold coffee? Uh, No, it's hot coffee, but it's the water. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, Everybody else out there gets it, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, but outside of that, it's like, it just does a better job of like getting you the things you need, especially when you're fasting and these other stuff, those other things. Like a big thing is curving cravings too. Cause you get that little bit of sweet, you get that tart. It's, it's very palatable and it's hydrating. So your body feels like it's getting something out of it. And you don't not eat those candies that you eat at the middle of the night. Exactly. That's just salt, sweet and sweet and salty. It's like a, that combination is very palatable and really like your brain wants it. It like releases dopamine. Mm-hmm. It's like cocaine, but hydrating. See. See. So tell everyone where they can get salty. Oh, get salty, stay moist, drinkelement.com slash wanders. So D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders with an A. Link is in the show notes. Click that thing. You're going to get a, get a variety pack. All you have to do is cover shipping, which is $5. No big deal. You can try it out. Try out all the best flavors. And I recommend uh, personally the grapefruit and the watermelon. Those are my favorite. Yeah. I'm on a citrus and orange kick right now, but I also agree. I love all of them. Because I just, I, I can't get away from grapefruit and watermelon. I know. <laughs> like, like, oh, maybe I should do something different today. I'm like, no, I'm just going back to what I, what I love and know. <laughs> all right. Enjoy it. I feel like I had one of those ego deaths and it was just this awareness where I was in the kitchen with the kids and I, and I, I happened to be on a little bit of cannabis. Wait, when was it? It was in this house. So it was within the last I didn't know if it was like yesterday. I was like, (laughs) yeah, maybe we have an ego death. Awesome. (laughs) Cause I was thinking we needed one. No, just kidding. No, it, it was, 
this was probably three or four years ago. <laughs> and I saw each of them and I had this awareness like, oh, these aren't my kids. They happen to be living in our house with us, but I saw them as their individual souls. Mm. And I just had this, this understanding like, oh, I, I'm just here to be a guide, to help support, to create some boundaries and move those boundaries. It's to back to the, really the original question you asked, like, yeah. how, how do you navigate all that? And it's, it becomes way easier when you witness them as their own kind of sovereign beings that are going to have their own experience. And you know, whatever I can do to support that, great. And I'll share my experience, but they need to have their own experience. And when I, when I had that moment, it just made parenting way easier. It doesn't mean I just, you know, uh, was hands off. It was actually much more engaged, but in a way different way than I think is maybe traditionally done and allow them to be curious and to do some things that most parents would come down really hard on. And maybe it's drinking or trying cannabis or whatever. And it's like, where's the, where's the, the, the line there? Where's the boundary and how, do, how do I create uh, trust with each of them so that they can come to me for anything yeah. and that I don't come down as, you know, this oppressive dad when they do something that's a little out of line Punitive. and just say, Hey, you know, like, I prefer you not do that. This is why, like, I know you're, you're fucking, I was 15, 16, 17. Well, I get it, you know, but like, let's, let's like have a different relationship with it. And, and cause I know if I just drop the hammer, yeah, they're going to do it somewhere else. Yeah. They're always, always going to find a way we did, you know, so it's like learning, actually remembering myself as a kid. Uh, cause I think a lot of us, it's pretty easy to forget that we were that age and we're fucking around and doing shit. Well, we back. knew everything back then. Yeah. Not kids oh, these yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're going to look at 15. I'm like, we used to tape my friend to a tree and then call the cops on ourselves so we could run from the cops. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, you're going to do that. It's happened to him three times. And he was like, he was like, you're going to let me go. Right. And I was like, yeah, we're going to let you go. And then we're like, left him now. Of course, just left him there. And the cops were like, Jesus. what are you tied? Why are you taped to this pole? Yeah, like, it was this round, there. there was this roundabout right by his house. And it was just, but we would just, cause the cops were all fat in my hometown and there wasn't as many of them. And we would just run from them for fun because we were Jesus. bored. <laughs> they wouldn't get, you know, whatever. We weren't doing anything. Like they, they were bored too. So they're probably having, a little something yeah, to do. yeah, they're doing something. I'm it was so, so screwed. It yeah. was so funny, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, we're totally going to let you off. And it's like, he's duct taped to a pole. Like, what do you think we're going to do? Unwind it? Like we don't have a plan for this. We're just getting out of here. But yeah, I think it's, I think that's when it comes to con Kelly and I talk about this already, which were, you know, a little, uh, presumptuous, but it's like <laughs> sex and drugs. Like having those conversations, oh, I know it's God. obviously going to be different with boys and girls, which it is what it is. Cause there's, I mean, there's more emotional than pragmatic, but it is what it is. Um, also your boys can't get pregnant. So that's a different thing yeah. too. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh God, let's not go down that rabbit hole with you two. But and it's like in the drugs too. I'm like, you know, like I didn't start smoking weed till I was 20 and do mushrooms. Till I was like 26. I think that was a good way to do it. Is that the right way to do it? It's like, if you do something that grows in the ground, like don't overdo it. You'll probably be all right. Don't do something stupid. Stay away from pills and powders. Like I think I can have that conversation being like, I've done these things and this is when I did them. This is how like, just be straight up and be like, this is the downside of these things. Maybe have them watch euphoria. So I can be like, we were talking about that last night with, um, with Emily. Yeah. Euphoria that John, we've seen that show on HBO, but it's like super, think about like saved by the bell, but really dark and basically about like drugs 
and rape and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, and it's like, it's Hey, intense. It's, yeah. it's, it's aggressive. And I haven't seen season two, but I'm like, I would sit down with my kids and be like, here you go. Like, this is kind of how this goes. If you go down there, and it's super Very realistic. Real. Yep. Yeah. Um, and giving that our kids will be like, have a little bit, little, be little privileged little shits, you know, and do their whole thing. Yep. That's it's also more important for them to know. Cause the kids that I knew that were wealthy growing up, those are the ones that were doing blow at, at freshman year of college. Those are the ones I'd never seen that stuff before. Those are the ones that were like, would take Oxycontins and party and I'm and Xanax and these different things. And I'm like, I never was exposed. Dude, it was a big deal when some guys smoked weed in the garage at a party when I was growing up. Same. Like we didn't, we just had Keystone light and maybe Coors on a good day. Yeah. You know, it was like, <laughs> that good, good. Yeah. We were making, even in the summertime we get Coors. So we were making a little bit extra money. We could spend the extra $3 for a 24 pack, you know? Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah. It's like, how do you have those conversations? I don't know. It's like, uh, especially with a daughter, it's like by the time they're 15 or 16, like they're, you're now like a sexual being and that's a weird. Well, in birth control, I'm super anti birth control because of the way it ruins me and so many people I know, but like talk to me when I have a 15 year old, I don't know what, I mean, I'm just going to be shoving IUDs up her as many times <laughs> as possible. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. it, it changes when it's your own kid. And when your protective mama instincts pop in, you're like, sure. Oh God. And yeah, I, I feel like we get nervous about that. Like, yeah. How and do you I, have those conversations? I've seen these dads, like this one military guy who his, his daughter was like sexting with some boy and she was like 16. And then he like screamed at her and like went to this guy's house and terrified him. And I'm like, he's a Marine, a former Marine, a weird guy. But he was, the way he was handling that, I'm like, dude, that's not, first off, she's not going to tell you the truth. So, you know, she had some part in this too. It wasn't like this boy was like harassing her. It seemed like it was a mutual thing from the way you're explaining it from a hyper bias perspective, I'm over here on the, <laughs> yeah. I'm at the CrossFit gym, like doing like split jerks. And I'm like, this guy's crazy, dude. Like he does, yes. is, he, is he that dumb to not see what's going on here? Like as he's explaining to somebody else as if his doctor is a, as, as if his stepdaughter is a victim of some kind of crime. Yes. And I'm like, she's a 16 year old kid, dude. And, she, and you're terrifying. Down. Like you have tattoos on your face and you're scary. Like you, <laughs> you've killed people in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. you were in, a, you've spent time in Iraq. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't, if I was a 16 year old girl, I'd be terrified of you too. There's no, Telling the trauma she experienced with him doing it. Yeah. Exactly. And then she's going to hide everything. And then this other kid's now bearing the brunt of it. And he's just doing his own little form of 16 year old sexual exploitation. If it was a 25 year old guy, now we've got a conversation that's similar to what, but you're acting as if this is a home kind of predator and it's just another kid. Yes. Who's like, they're trying to figure it out in the, through the means that we don't understand, which is like sexting or Snapchat or whatever that is. I didn't grow up with that. Yeah. That wasn't a thing, you know, like people would exchange Polaroids when I was a kid, you know, like that's, that was, that was as close as you got. God, we sound old. I know. Right. <laughs> I know. Hey, but it's, it, they're doing it. They're growing up in a different world with different drivers and different culture. And you can only understand that so much. Everything. everything. So that's gotta be a part of the conversation yeah. now, which is super novel to our experience, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah so, so what the fuck are you guys doing? Please yeah, tell so us. I'll, <laughs> let me, I'll talk about the, the, the drugs part and I'll let you deal with the, the kind of sex talk thing. I'm going to finish up on rock and roll. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Put some vinyl on. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a podcast. So Bowen, you know, our 16 year old listens to my podcast and he's like, so there's a lot of tape of me talking about different, you know, psychedelic experiences. Listen to a bunch of Kyle's uh, Kingsbury's podcast where he obviously talks about it as well. So we've had a lot of conversations about it. And to your point, I've shared everything as it's happened, my good experiences, my challenging ones, when I did it, why I did it with intention, without intention, all that just to like, let him like, again, build trust. Like, dude, this is the truth. And he's going to know if I'm full of shit. So like, <laughs> just like, 
what am I hiding from? Right. And, you know, a year ago, he's like, I'm really interested in psychedelics and mushrooms and da 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 da. And he's like doing all this research on, I'm like, okay, well, here's a couple books that I think are helpful. Mm-hmm. And here's some other resources and let's have some more conversations. Right. Not I, brushing it under the rug. Like, we can oh, you, you can't, that. we're not supposed to talk about that. You're, You're too young. Yeah. yeah. But also being like, so now I'm building the layer of trust. Like, dude, he's too young for it right now. Yeah. You know, so learn about it. And if your friends are trying to do it, like show up for them in a way that helps them through an experience. But, but you're too young to be doing this right now. And, you know, as you get older and you start to learn more, like, I don't know what the age is, but you'll know and I'll know when it's time. Yeah. So it's kind of building that bridge to, this is all this is all great to talk about because I don't want you to get this information from your knucklehead buddy or yeah. just yeah. get it from and when, shit you're Googling. And or, when you guys get that conversation going, it's like, well, that can also be kind of y'all's like personal rite of passage thing where it's like, now you get to do, you know, and that, if I'm looking at that as if I was a dad, I'd be like, okay, we're going to do like three grand, like enough where it's like an experience for you at like whatever age that is where it feels appropriate. Now you've kind of like earned that and you understand because you've researched it and I mean, now with psychedelics too, is really crazy. It's like that there's career opportunities in understanding what that is, whether you want to be a psychedelic assistant, clinical therapist, a psychologist, you want to do research. Yep. Like there's a lot, you want to be a writer. Like there's a ton of things you can do. You want to create content around. Like there's, there's stuff there that we didn't have growing up and exposure to that because I just thought drugs were drugs, you know, back when I was growing up. So like, that's to me is like, that's huge. And then you get to have more transparency around that little rite of passage as this, you know, whenever he's ready, which he's, he's, he's to say 16 now. Yeah. So it's well, like, he's too young now, but it's like, he's almost not, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's exactly it's coming up And again. It's not an age thing. It's a relationship exactly. with yeah. understanding and the right set and setting. Yeah, Cause some kids are 12 at 18 and some kids are 30 at 18. Yes. <laughs> it's a crazy, yeah. you know? Yeah. So again, I think I, yeah, I, I, when I share this with, some people, because, you know, they ask me about parenting and I, I kind of bring that up as a like, this is a little different way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think on the surface, people are like, well, how the fuck are you like making this acceptable? And it's like, not really, but like, listen to like the whole context of like, what's the, 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 the bigger, I don't want to call it a game, but what's the, my intention is to connect with him mm-hmm. and to see him, hear him validate what he's curious about and make it okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of this stuff and with the sex, like it's, there's so much shame around it and it's swept. Yeah. We don't talk about that and you're too young and okay, well they're going to, they're curious. They're going to find out yeah. information somewhere. Well, we were having a conversation last night about with one of our friends about how we like started figuring that out. Like both of us watched sex in the city, just trying to like, I was just trying to see a titty, you know, like yes. I was 12 years old, 13 years old. I'm like, man, maybe there's a boob just, in this episode. Oh Watching for like God. six hours, trying to see a nip slip. Yeah. You know? It was like, and that was like a good day. If you saw a titty when you were 13, you're like, that's a good day. Yes. That's a good oh day. This is a good week. Really? They have way different access now. Wait, oh, pet- can you hear Petunia? <gasps> Crying. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Pig crying. We have a pet pig. She'll be Petunia, fine. And she's crying. She gets a little rowdy sometimes. Wow. Should I see if she wants to go outside? Yeah. Okay. I'll you guys see. continue. So I'll piggyback on what Cal said. I think there's these as parents, um, when they become teens, there's a lot of parenting. Mm-hmm. There's, we've had a lot of backroom conversations like 
in the room now. How are we going to handle this? How do we each feel about it? Wow. Like kind of questioning, questioning how, how it was handled for us. And do we even feel that, like, do we even feel that strongly if they're um, having a, a, you know, a drink of alcohol? Like, how do we feel about it? How do we want to go handle this situation? So there's a lot of backroom talk of like, what do we do so that we come out with this united front and keep those windows of communication open? I think we both felt that may have been missing. And it's, I mean, it's like, I love the analogy of kids are like kites. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and, and they're just, you're someone on the ground holding on to the string and they are taking off and they're hitting trees. They're hitting the ground. They're soaring beautifully, but it's like, they need to know someone's on the ground and that's got them. That's can amazing. Them in. Yeah. And they need to know that there's times where you need to say, you know what? No, too far. Don't feel comfortable yeah. with that. And that feels really good. Yeah. Like, my mom's going to show up. My dad's going to show up and say, uh, 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 I don't like this situation. You're coming home with me. That feels safe. Yeah. Like, so they need that foundation and security, but yet we're not going to have such a grip as you mentioned earlier, where they feel like they can't soar and they yeah. can't play out there in this big, beautiful world. So, um, it's, it's a dance that we're, we are learning and it's a lot of conversations um, and a lot of checking in to see how we each feel about things. And, you know, Cal and I have talked, I think we, we said this to McLean who on her podcast, but education is not encouragement. And so as much conversations as we can have with them, where we have that communication, where they feel safe coming to us. You know, I told the, the boys when they were asking me questions or, or the kids even like, have you ever done jokes? Like, we answered them honestly. And we're like, look, you know, let, if we don't know the answers, let us find out for them. Yeah. You like, we're going to know probably a lot more than your buddies. Well, I'm like find a podcast. Let's you listen to that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, we're not necessarily condoning anything by educating or at least having this discussion. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like, at least how we're trying to approach again, we're learning as we go too. Yeah. And coming from the, the drugs and sex thing, like I just saw there was so much around that, those two things mm-hmm. specifically just with my relationship with my mom, that was just so weird mm-hmm. and so like uncomfortable, you know what I mean? So for me, I was just terrified of all of it. And I had to kind of relearn that whole stuff. My I had to unlearn and relearn yeah, um, about all of that stuff. But it was really, it's a trip. And I think also you got to also know that kids are going to be like, kids are going to be kids. And it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, mom did drugs. And you know, like, it's like a funny, like childish, like petty fun stuff. But I'm, uh, for some reason, I'm excited about that, like part of their, or like the, the growing up part. Even Kelly and I talk about this a lot. It's like, I'm not excited for like the zero to two. He wants to skip newborn. Like, yeah, and I'm, I'm like, like what? Like I'm, I'm sure I like it, but he it's goes, like. They're useless. They can't do anything for me. <laughs> like, for me, they just right can't here. do anything in general. They just sit there. It's like, what do you, I mean, humans do have useless children. That's, that's, that's where the only, where the, one of the only animals where they have to like, it's a year before they can walk. Monkeys are like fully functional at the womb. We're going to have a, a, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we have an infant and I'll be yeah. like, Oh, yeah. melting. But I also know that our kids are just going to have a mouth on them, dude. Oh, we oh, 100%. Can... <laughs> Hi, have you met you know, You're talking about that thing where you have to say, no, I, I, the first thing I'm thinking about is that, that scene from Ozark where Jason Bateman's like the fuck you are. 
It's like, I'm going to do this. The fuck you are. Connor's working on his one-liners for our children. <laughs> Literally, he's you know like, what? I can't wait till I say this. That's going to be your book. Start writing it. Yeah, this, yeah exactly. I do want to write some parenting books, though, once I have it all. Done. Once I have it all figured out, I know everything. Oh, love it. No, I think it'd be right, fun to write some kids' books and stuff. That seems like a... I've been thinking about that for well, a long time. You crack me up in all your podcasts. So, like, you find a way to, to <laughs> find the humor in, in, in all the situations. So, yeah. that will will be a huge benefit for your Yeah, we'll family. see. I have, this, I have this little concept of our oldest dog, Dutch, mm-hmm. who's 11 now, which yeah. makes me sad because he's getting older. But, like, him being the protagonist and having these little people. Like, I had, I think, Alan Watts. I had Alan Watts as, like, an owl. All these people, like, shaped my life. Like, the little, like, basically watering down the wisdom that I got from these certain people. And like making them into a little animal and having this dog go on these journeys and like figure out these little things of the little, little helpers, kind of like Alice in Wonderland type thing where there's these much less esoteric than that. But like that kind of thing, he's going on these crazy adventures and then somebody like teach him a little bit of wit- nugget of wisdom along the way. And it's like I had Joe Rogan cast as like a turtle because he kind of looks like a turtle. Yeah, he kind of has that gonna... turtle vibe with his like his big round back and he's like a yeah. little bitty head, no neck, oh, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, it'll be funny to have like him yeah. in there, you know, but uh, I think that'd be a fun, I've been thinking about this for years and I was like, I gotta, I gotta have kids first so I can like try it out on them and animate these things. Right. So Peyton, yes. sex Kelly. and birth control. Okay. And well, I will say this. So we have boy, boy, girl, and we're, we're kind of going down the ladder right now. Um, so I'm going to, um, I'll start with, the boy. Um, and Connor, I think you were the first person I told this to the way I opened the door with our son having sexual conversations is I gifted him a jar of lube, oh, yeah, fractionated coconut oil. And on the jar I wrote, you can jerk off, but don't be a jerk off. <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. Oh, Mom of the year. <laughs> I think I was, I think I saw you the, yeah, the, like, you the day after that, yeah. and I was like, Connor. <laughs> and you're like, that's awesome. And I was like, okay, okay. That feels good. All right. Connor said it was awesome. Um, but here's the thing. It's like, this is normal. This is going to feel good. Here's some good stuff. And, um, and that opened the window yeah. the conversation of, oh, my mom doesn't think this is bad. It's not weird. This is normal. And she's open to this. And so that opened the conversation and, you know, he had that little cute little smile, like, you know, like that, that's so familiar that like, Mm -hmm. she hears me, she gets me, she Mm -hmm. sees me. And, um, fast forward to, he's starting to get in relationships and things are changing. And, um, I, I don't remember this timeline, but I gifted him a book from Montak Chia on, um, I think it was the multi-orgasmic man. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) And I wrote him a letter and, um, basically in the letter was something like, I want you to understand the difference between pleasure and performance. Wow. You need to understand that (laughs) Kelly. (laughs) I think, I think that so many men are taught, um, especially if they're learning through porn performance and, um, there's this can be, I'm not a man, but there, there can be the shame associated with not being able to perform a certain way. And, um, I don't think many people are taught pleasure. I think we're taught performance, mm-hmm. especially with that as a guide. And I wanted him to understand his body. I wanted him to understand a woman's body and, and what was pleasurable to him. And so that was basically the letter and the book was for him to learn about himself, to get to know his anatomy, 
to get to know his body. And so um, when he was in his first close relationship, gosh, this was hilarious. I was in our bathroom. So I have an office here and I teach, um, I teach courses. I teach puberty courses for young girls and mothers. Um, and he knows this and I have a lot and I was a birth doula for years. So I have a lot of anatomical props in my office. I got penises and vulvas and pelvises and breasts. And so I'm like getting dressed one day and he comes in and he's like, so mom, if you like, if you want to have that like sex talk, fine. I'll be in your office. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so That's the weirdest way to ask for it. Right. I was like, okay. And so I like went in my office and he's sitting there and we have a conversation and I get all my props and I basically taught him about a woman because that's what I knew. Right. And, um, I taught him about her cycle and I taught him about like when a woman can get pregnant and, um, your role and about the importance of, you know, using protection and the barrier method and how you want to be very careful, even like what type of condom, because that would be inside of her and what like chemicals are on that. Like just being very sensitive and, and then of course, consequences of pregnancy. And, you know, I, I don't know, like we were trying really hard to have this conversation, but without shame. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. This is, this is a beautiful, these are beautiful feelings that you're having and you're, you know, how can we approach the situation with consideration? Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of our approach. And, um, we're, you know, we're, we're hoping to continue that. And with our daughter, um, our daughter helped me write the course that I teach become it's a mother daughter course, awakening young girls to the purpose and power of their period. And so she was my inspiration for writing it as were my doula clients is when I started having babies, I realized I knew very little about my body. Mm -hmm. And as a, a birth doula, I was witness to a lot of experiences that women have experienced. And I was witness to psychologically how they stored their pain. And um, as a doula, you're not only assisting birthing that, but you're birthing a lot of pain that needs to be released before this child comes out. And so I learned a lot. And I witnessed a lot and I held a lot for these, for these women. And then I realized how very little most of us knew about our body and how we were so afraid of the process because we didn't understand the process. Mm -hmm. Oh, and birth is like the ultimate passage of creation. Right. And so, um, so it's like, how can we have that conversation and realizing that most people well, some people disconnect from their body, their sensuality at puberty because it's like, ugh, you know, it's my boob. Or they perceive that this thing that's happening to them or their body as this threat. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm a woman. Oh, and that's scary. Right. As opposed to, isn't that beautiful? Now I get, or now this, this happens to me. So having a, a girl inspired me to to have this conversation differently. And, um, ho my daughter and I traveled and guided the workshop together for years That's so cool. until she retired. She oh, retired. Yeah. Wow. She retired after a few years. She said, mom, you know, and God love her. I mean, she, um, it, it was such 
a powerful experience for me. I learned so much from her. I, I continue to learn from the young girls. Um, but yes, it's a mother daughter because we're, we're wanting to give them a similar, similar language in which to speak about their bodies, because typically what's happening as a, as a young girl is entering puberty, the mother's uh, most often entering perimenopause and the menopausal progression. So the hormones are shifting at about the same time. Oh, that is true. Yeah. We're seeing a rise in hormones and a, a decrease in hormones. So there's this, this beautiful mother daughter dance trying mother daughter dance can be, but um, you know, if you're trying to teach your daughter to love her body as you're shaming your body, right. because you're going through changes, they're, they're so smart and they know. These are so, things that I never would have thought of. So if a mother's <laughs> like, uh, you know, having this whole conversation with herself as her daughter's going through the shift, then, then that, that language will not get communicated and she will never hear that her body's beautiful and it's important. And it is a vessel in which to have her experience her life. Mm. So, um, so it's a mother daughter program and, um, with the intention of awaken the daughter and, and heal the mother. And, and so my hope right now, Kelly, to answer your question is that she, she understands her cycle and she understands and is connecting to her body in a way that feels good or doesn't feel good. Um, and realizes it, that it is sacred and, and, and how to serve it. Um, and so those conversations are starting to arise. And so, um, we haven't had many of them. My, my trust is that she will feel comfortable coming to me and Cal about any of these conversations. And, you know, Cal and I've talked about, it's like, we want, I, I don't want him to just talk to the boys about sex and me just talk to Ho our daughter about sex because I'm a female <laughs> and he's a man. Like I want them both to hear both of our sides of, of how we see things or how we connect with males and females from both of us. I, you know, I don't think it should be just a job for one parent based on a gender. Mm -hmm. You know, I love talking about sex. I love talking about sensuality. So I was like, you love doing it too. I, and I love doing it. So doing sex. I love oh, doing, doing, doing sex. sex. That's what I was like. Oh, when you're talking about the, having the props and the different like diagrams, I'm like, I, there's gotta be a fine line between like, here's the clitoris and like, your mom's like it when I do this. <laughs> like, it's like, where do you draw the line? Oh God, it's, like, Connor. it's like, well, from my experience, <laughs> please don't. Because the first thing that's going to go to their mind is like, that's my mom, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there were, there were people before, you know. Yeah, we, we don't. We yeah, we do draw the line there. Yeah. We keep. Yeah, they they don't. That's cringy. When we unless were unless you're, unless you're just giving them a hard time, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're, sorry. Whoops. There were powders and pills, and <laughs> we went into this one tent. Yeah. An anal fisting tent, oddly enough. Is what I your mom now. loved it. <laughs> and so did your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I can barely get a suppository up there. Yeah, so. yeah. There's no fisting for you. Oh no, not yet we still have something to put in connor's butt we haven't done yet oh yeah i'm gonna oh, try that goodness. out maybe some okay so there's there's <laughs> a lot coming up for me here and um for one like i think one of the best things peyton did in particular with our oldest is she just laid it out there and when he was ready he came to her so many times we're like we got to get the nerve up to have the conversation and we're trying to work it out and it becomes this weird kind of, I'm telling you about this thing and you're just listening. And it's a bit of like a lecture uh, versus 
when they're ready to come, you have the conversation. It actually becomes more of a Q and a flow conversation. Mm -hmm. And it may take a week, a month, four years. You don't know, but you gotta let them come in their time. And I thought that was, it was great. And as, as, as awkward as it kind of was to, for him to share that, that was, you know, his way to say I'm in. Well, that's, um, that seems like the way a teenage boy would be like, okay, if you want to do it, we can do it now. It's like the same way. It's that that's the form of asking. I'll say this. And just to your point about like both of us being able to kind of hold that, like I've had conversations with him in a much different format and much different tone and maybe a little more experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, our, our other son who's 16, he and I have a different bond. And so he and I would be sitting in here smoking a couple of volcanoes and we'll have that conversation. That's just how we interact. He's, he's less likely to come in the office, my uh, office. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. he plays with the, um, my pink penis. Like yeah. the kids think it's fun to throw it on the ceiling. And, it's a dildo. I mean, it's a sticky one so you can throw it. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Throw yeah. It. Oh, but you know what? It's like, you know, it's it's comfortable, and he'll be like, "Oh, my it's, mom it's likes to oh, It always right. ends up yeah. up in the kids' area. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'd be like, "Who's Stuck got on a my window. pink penis? Oh my god, where is my pink penis?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh, I got mom's pink penis on the ceiling. But you know, it's not like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's a clitoris. Like right. she's got it on her shelf. Like anyway, it's normalizing. Yes, these are beautiful parts of our body. Yeah, Sorry, and, segment. And I don't know, not at all. <laughs> I don't want to gloss over what, what you said about the mother daughter piece, um, how healing it is for, for the mother and also very educational because most women, my understanding is they're just not taught. There's a lot of shame around going through that, that, um, kind of, what do you call it? Menarche or that period. Menarche is your first period menopause is your last. Yeah. The menarche. So like going into that there's either no communication or it's said in such an awkward way. And there's just, there's so much, um, that's left unsaid. And so I think you've expressed that a lot of the mothers have asked a lot of questions and learned a lot about themselves. And then when you learn about that, then you get to have a different conversation with your child. Mm -hmm. Also, you're having this conversation, you know, that, that you're guiding Peyton in, in these, um, workshops where you do have common language and it is, it's just you, there's a reverence for the experience. It is a, a beautiful rite of passage that is not honored, unfortunately, in our culture. And, and so I think there's so much, you know, anyone listening right now who has a young daughter, like, like it's so important even if she's already started, like just to give everyone some framework to um understand what's going on and to shift that story that narrative that unfortunately is is very prevalent here but for dads out there you know peyton's written a a, an ebook that is a tremendous resource for guys like me who have daughters and you know fortunately in this house it's it's honored for me to you know, be a part of the conversation. Um, and a lot of houses it's not because they don't know any better. Yeah. It's like, this is my role. I'm the one who has the period. So I'll talk to our daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And yeah. a lot of da- dads feel left out or don't know what to do. Or it's like, can I still touch her? Like, is that awkward? Or am I not to know? Am I supposed to know? Like, but isn't it beautiful or is it not? Like, 
you know, or it, you know, it matters. It matters if you say, oh, my period and, and a man winces or is like, you know, like that matters. Like that's like our frame of reference of, you know, if, if a dad's responding in that way and it's like, oh, am I dirty? Is right. something wrong? It yeah. matters. Yeah, the, right. subtle, the subtle so, cues there may not matter a it, lot. It yeah. do, they do. They're biosymbols and they can affect our biology. Mm-hmm. You know, we wonder why we have these premenstrual syndromes. Like these have been, we've been taught to feel the things that we're feeling. Right. It's not, it may be, it may be typical. It may be common that we feel these things that are not normal. Right. That's the, that's a great, perfect distinction. But anyway, so thanks for bringing that up. But yeah, no, but I, I want to spend a little bit more time there because I think it's really important um because you spent so much time on it it's such an incredible resource um yeah it's not something you just threw together it, it's so thoughtful there's a ton of information but there's not too much information like you really did an amazing job of distilling it down to the important parts which is important if you're writing for men yeah, that's what he told me. He's like, and we need nuggets, honey. Yeah, and at yeah, the end, she had I'm like, we added points that so the guys good. can just have a resource. Yeah, like, what are, what are the main points that I can go back and read more about it? But so, okay. dads out there, if you have daughters that are anywhere in this process, and even if they've gone through it, like just to understand your daughter and, by the way, your partner, your wife, yeah, it's, better. It's written for that. It's um, where can they find it? Uh, PeytonCallahan.com. We'll link that. Yeah, we'll link it. it We have a production company we know of that can do that. (laughs) You do? What's... Oh, really? Who uh, who is that? (laughs) Do they happen to do... the video trailers for epi- for uh, podcasts. Yes, wild. Okay, I have some examples okay. from this show called The Great Unlearn. Yeah. Okay, send them to me. I'll give you my email. I want I want to just ask. This has just been top of my mind. This whole conversation. I'm so curious. You guys are such conscious parents now. Now We're, is an important right. and that's what I want to get to because I didn't know you before. How would you describe? the now you as parents in the last few years versus when you were first having children, the first 10 years of parenting and how different does that look? Uh, let me start with this. Your first question, Connor, just showed me that you're in such a different place. You guys are in such a different place than we were. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're asking questions, looking at it from a lens that I've only started to look at it from the last two, three years. Agree. So good for you to kind of have a leg up on that. Yay me. Yes. Got <laughs> <Aren't> you ready. <laughs> you know, so a, a lot of the early years were uh, unconscious for me. Like I was there, but not there and doing the things, but not doing the things. And it, it wasn't until, um, honestly, it was probably that moment that I, I saw them as their individual souls. And I was doing my own work and starting to really understand everybody being on their journey and having their own experiences. I talk about it all the time on my podcast. Like you have to, don't just take my word for it. Go have your own experience and then have your own truth with it. It's like, I, I, you know, it's like, obviously I've got to extend this to the people I love the most, these, these kids. And so when I started to do that, um, everything changed. It became a lot easier to parent. I could just be authentic with them and treat them as little humans versus some kids that I need to keep in line and discipline and make sure they're not fucking up and have these really tight boundaries. Um, but I will say the, the years previous were really important for me to see like, ah, oh, that's actually 
okay, I've done it that way. That created a lot of tension for me. Um, we had good days, we had bad days, but the relationship, I, I didn't know, like, that's just what your relationship is. And then as, as I stepped into this, this other role, my relationship with each kid deepened. And when somebody was going through a really difficult time, I didn't try to fix anything. That was mm -hmm. a major thing for me is not trying to fix anymore, letting them go through their experience and, and letting them know that they're loved, supported, no matter what is happening and that I'm here for them and I'm validating their feelings. I'm not trying to say that they shouldn't feel this way. It's none of that. It's even if I don't understand it, they need to be seen and heard. And like I said, validated. And once I just started to do that, the, the depth of, of my relationship with each of the kids is to a level that I never thought possible. Mm -hmm. And I just know now that it's just going to continue to kind of deepen because I'm open. I'm curious about their experience and allowing them to have that. And again, rather than trying to control and, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to control and I wouldn't say overbearing, but there were definitely a lot of elements of control. How does it reflect on me as a dad? If my kid is getting this call from school and it's like, now I get the call from school. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> you don't, you know, and so maybe I'll pay a little lip service to the teacher or the, the whatever, but there's nothing wrong with what the kid's doing. You yeah. know, we'll have a conversation about it. Maybe I'll hear his side of it and listen to his side of it and give him a little perspective, but not try to change anything. Let him learn from his experience, from the feedback he's getting from everybody else, but also trusting his intuition that, you know what, this, this, you know, one, one guy at his school is like a total social justice warrior. And he, my son totally picks up on it. I'll give an example. A teacher? Oh boy. Okay. Yes. He was, he and his buddies were riding their bikes downtown. And uh, evidently he said some crackhead was trying to steal his bike and was yelling at him and running after him. So he was telling the story of school and this, one of the teachers at school said, that's racist. He's like, the guy was white. Like, what, what's, what are you talking about? And it's like, he didn't say this, but my response is that's fucking racist to assume that yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. the crackhead was black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. You know, my, my son is, is, is. His intuition's right. Like I wasn't saying anything wrong. Like this guy who seemed like he was on crack. I don't yeah, know if he was on crack. Excuse me. He was a meth head. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah. now we're talking about white, the, the white poor people drug. Is you know this, what I mean? It's like, it's a, so he's sick. a 16 year old kid who was just like, this guy was acting crazy on drugs. I just called him a crackhead. Yeah. You know? And so he's like not getting sucked into that bullshit. And it's mm -hmm. like, you're right, son. You didn't do anything wrong. You were telling a story and again, whether it was crack or meth or whatever, like you, your point was the fucking guy was on drugs. He's tweaking, man. Yes. <laughs> and so just allowing them and not coming down like, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. And it's very insensitive. It's like, no, what did he say? And really like listening to him. So anyway, that that's, that's a bit of, has been my journey. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, that I think it, the, the biggest thing is, going from trying to control for all these variables that you, by the way, have no control over mm -hmm. to creating space for the kids to, to feel out who they are, get feedback from others and 
you know, you said it earlier, kind of like what the, the boundaries, right? Like sometimes they do get a little loose. It's like, ah, okay, let that one go. I'm going to bring it in a little bit. And maybe that one's a little too tight now, but it's, it's just understanding Back in each moment. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. And sharing with them when something, you know, more important comes up and maybe it's around drinking or some of these things like, listen, we're trying to figure this out too. We've never been through this mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. thing. So we're trying to understand where you're coming from, but you got to understand where we're coming from. And these are the things that maybe concern us. And if we get riled up, you know, going back to them and saying, listen, I apologize for how I acted. I was just scared. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to get to like, what is, what's actually happening? Not the response, but what is, Mm -hmm. what's actually underlying. Well, that's if you take everything so seriously, then nothing becomes serious. Right. If you're like, Oh, you got in trouble at school. That's, you know, bad, bad, whatever it is, even the crackhead thing. It's like, well, then that diminishes your kind of like a respect when it comes to taking something that is serious, seriously. You know what I'm saying? Where it's mm-hmm. like, eh, you know, well, that, like I got in, um, I got into fights when I was in college, right? Like I was like the big guy. People wanted to fight me and my granddad used to fight a lot. He was a fighter. And it's kind of like, I was raised to like someone disrespect you, like punch him in the face. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> But you get to a point where it's like, so when I get in trouble for that kind of stuff and I'd be like, here's, it would be like, you'd be upset. I mean, you know, something happened. I didn't, nothing ever really bad, bad happened, but you, you talk stories or have a black eye or something. I'd be like, he's like, what happened? And I'm like, well, this happened, this happened. And then this happened. And he's like, yeah, I probably would have done the same thing, you know? But when he got mad at something, it was a different, like he was, it was because it was like, I disrespected a teacher, like really, or something like that, like yeah. popped off as a teacher. And it was like, oh, and he's like upset, you know, and I'm getting like spankings from him. I did something real wrong. You know what I'm I mean? I'm mad. I'm disappointed. Oh, that's the worst. Oh God. It's the worst. That is the worst. <laughs> that's how I was speaking of the DUI earlier. And I was saying he wrote that $6,000 check for the, to the people, you know, for the fine or whatever it is. And the look I got after that, I was like, never again. No, ne- I didn't even say, I didn't say a word. And that's yeah. so I was like, palpable to yeah. your point. Like when you're just hammering everything, they can't, they can't discern when it's really something important. Exactly. I mean, we see that in our world right now, everything's a crisis. And so nothing's a crisis, crisis anymore. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just so crazy. But I want to bring that. We've talked about this. I think you and I talked about it with that ceremony you and I and Kyle had. Yeah. And you've brought this up a couple of times and I wanted to bring, I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was like, you were sitting there saying like, this kid is this part of me and this kid is part. And you did that for like, it was probably 20 minutes. I was sitting there just listening and I was like, should I say it? No, maybe I don't want to get involved in this experience. I'm going to figure it out. And then as you said it again, and I was like, maybe they're just them and they're not you at all. <laughs> yes. And you were so like, interesting. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was my response. Like, yeah. oh my God, they're, yes. Cause you were in that, you know, with psilocybin, you kind of got in that circle and that slavery. I'd been there before. So I knew what you were doing. I was like, you're, you're in like a little bit of house of mirrors here. Just kind of going in a circle mm-hmm. about these things. And I was like, I'm just going to nudge him outside of that a little bit. <laughs> well, and I remember him being um, playful spirit in you that you had maybe lost for a bit or Uh forgotten. And I remember you describing like how, like he was like crunched down and just like being so playful. Yeah. We were like awakening that and, and you and, and how you needed that to integrate that back in your life and not, and I just remember that in Connor. I, think I was like jumping on the role. rocks. I was you like were, jumping rock oh. to rock or something silly. Like yes, I was out in the yard. And Kyle was kind of stoic at, at that point. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, there's these kind of two sides of like <laughs> yeah. life. That, that wow. was Kyle. Kyle was Kyle. And the whole thing, I love that you were with me and Kyle because we're so different. We do the same style, but like our personalities are so different. So Kyle's in this, you know, kept saying all is forgiven. All is forgiven. And I'm just like giggling the whole time. <laughs> 
sound about like, right. Is it really though? That is important. I was like, what, who needs to forgive anybody for anything? That's silly. Who's judging? Who's that yeah. bad? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Oh it's just like two totally different like scenarios, you know. Yes, I love that. It was such a good time. That's so funny. Oh man. Well, there was one thing that you said that I, I kind of wanted to circle back on because stepping into parenthood, and as you had asked earlier, like this new transition in your relationship, because it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few things that came to mind. One, you know, we we delegate. You know, you had mentioned like now, like you know, Connor delegates this to me and I delegate this to him, you know, so for, for in in our relationship, like Kelly delegated, like pretty much the child rearing for, to me, meaning like the schools and healthcare and how we approach that. Like he delegated that to me. I delegated, you know, wealth building and safety and security. And we kind of understood our roles that we played. And however, like, Fast forward a few years, those roles change Mm -hmm. and the communication is so, so important. And, and then we had to realize like, oh, those roles that we played in our relationship for so long aren't working anymore. And we have to back to your ego death. We have to let those die and start over and, and really start communicating these new roles and, and, and how like, I really want Cal to show up to support me and how I can best show up for him. And I think that's when things got really trying for us is when that wasn't being communicated one, because we didn't understand what was happening. Just all of a sudden, you know, he'd come in and be like, what's for dinner. And I'm like, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck is for dinner. Why are you asking me? You know? And I like just quit cooking for like a few months. Cause I was like, I ain't cooking. Why is everyone expecting me to cook? Like, and the kids are like, are we going to eat tonight? Are we, gonna- <laughs> like, are we like, should we be worried? You know, but like, it's just like, and we didn't know until all of a sudden things felt icky for me. Things felt icky for him, you know? And so I feel like that communication and clarity and like, you know, even understanding, like finally Cal communicated to me one day, honey, it really stresses me out at bedtime, like a bath in bedtime. Like when the kids, yeah, the kids, when are the kids and, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but, and I was like, Oh, really? Like, okay. Like I love that. Like that was a part of the day that I really loved. And so for then me understand, instead of being like, why does he never help me? And, and by like, the way, this is like, this is me back in the controlling. Like I'm yeah. trying to manage this thing that's feeling really hectic rather than just seeing as Peyton could like the fucking joy of these kids is a complete shit show. The chaos of just like, yeah, it. yeah. And, I was and it was like, just un- un- unraveled. Everywhere. Me. Like, <laughs> bubbles everywhere. Like, but we didn't know that until we like, and then I was like, what really like stresses me on going to the grocery store? Like, uh-uh. Like the crowds and the people and they got the kids and the thing. And he's like, oh, I've got like, so why don't I just go do that? And I'm like, what? Oh, so like understanding in that communication, like this is really easy for me. This is what I find joy in. And then, and then delegating those roles and then, but checking back in, I feel like is very helpful. And um, if I could just like say one word that I think is so important in relationship is acknowledgement, acknowledgement, mm. acknowledgement, acknowledgement, acknowledging what you're going through, trying to create new life and receive new life in your body, acknowledging 
the fear of what is it going to be like supporting my family and having a child, acknowledging all the things that you're going through along, along the way Mm -hmm. forever, acknowledging the new versions of yourself, your new body as it continues to evolve and change. Like if that would be my one piece of advice, acknowledging the changes each one of us makes. So um, just to circle back on that original question, it, it, um, it's a, it's a journey. It's a ride. It's that roller coaster and, um, it can be beautiful sharing it with that person. And it's, it's, it's heavy and light. It's all the things, it's all the seasons. Um, and if you can just enjoy and acknowledge and feel the things together along the way, it's, be a beautiful, beautiful journey in life. And we're still trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah. But of the 22 years, that would be like, that would be my one piece of feedback, I guess. Yeah. And for me, it's, um, I think the hardest thing for me is to actually say what I need. Mm-hmm. And I actually don't know if I've really ever done it and said, you know, this is actually what I need from you. You know, whatever for whatever reason, it's like, I've got it. I, 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 whether it's showing that I can be, you know, self-sufficient and, you know, manage my part of the house here and and take care of that. But I think because I've never asked for that, um, it's something that's just come to me recently. You know, there are things that Peyton just doesn't know about me and what I do in my daily life. A lot of, I'm like in this office doing many different things and how is she to know if I don't share, like, this is what I'm doing. And actually I need you to fill in the blank. I need you to acknowledge that like I'm working on this and this and this and this while working on these three things and doing that. Like there's a lot that just goes unsaid mm-hmm. you know and i think that's my work to do is to start to share this is what i need because i i don't want to be needy i don't want to you know i have a hard time with receiving and i know that that is really my work is easy for me to give but it's more difficult for me to say i need help or i need support um so yeah like that's like communicating that piece yeah, in your I, out loud voice. I think yeah. In your out loud that, voice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I have a voice. lot of conversations in my head. Same girl. Like, Didn't you yeah. hear me in the evening? You <laughs> but you know, our pattern. In the facial expression? Yeah. How did you miss that Literally, one? I have that thought every day. Yeah. But, but, our, <laughs> but, but our pattern Literally out loud. is she finally gets kind of fed up enough and she comes and expresses her needs. And then I'm sitting there you know, listening and never saying, well, actually, this is what I need. I'm just like trying to fucking, you know, handle the (laughs) hail of all this stuff that I feel like I'm not showing up for. And I think that that's been one thing I've been working on Mm -hmm. is giving myself grace in those moments and not going back into the story. Like, dude, you fucking can't get this right. Yeah. You know, you've done all this work and here you're still fucking up. And that's like bringing all this history to the present day, which isn't actually true. It's that, oh, here are some areas that 
she needs your attention and um, tending to. So just taking them as they are without all the weight of the history and saying, oh, okay, this is actually good feedback. I didn't know that. I didn't notice that. Thank you for sharing that. Like, what else? What else is there? And just like being able to, you know, that's like step one is to, you know, kind of give myself a break on that. Mm -hmm. And then getting really clear on what, what my needs are. Yeah. You know, and again, this is something that's like literally within the last couple of days, I'm like, I don't think I've ever done that. And so I need to a figure out what those are and then express to her, this is what I need. Yeah. And I think when you have the safety of that container to be able to start expressing that and come to your person and say, I need X, Y, Z from you and know that there's not judgment coming at you. It's open and welcome arms for whatever you need. How can I show up for you? And I think that does take a long time to create that because so many of us don't grow up in that environment. It's not safe to ask for what you want. It's not safe to emote or have certain feelings because, you know, good boys don't cry and, you know, good girls do this and all these things. And so we have these patterns that we're taught from such a young age to unravel that, to be in a marriage or relationship also in containers with your children, which is a whole other experience and to create safety in that. I, I do feel like it takes a lot of work, a lot of trial and error. Like, you know, it'll end up in a fight or it'll end up people, someone's crying and you just continue to have to show up to those conversations and kind of build that muscle. I know that's kind of our experience because he hasn't been great at asking for what he needs either. Oftentimes he just doesn't know because so he's never had those conversations before. Um, and I will just word vomit on him, all of my needs. And then he feels like he failed. Usually in the middle and, of the day while I'm working on something. Uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I have emotions with poor timing. Okay. <laughs> they have a mind of their own. <laughs> But yeah, I agree. It's like, we're going through that too right now as well. It's just, it's so interesting. I do feel like it's a, it's a lifelong journey yeah. of continuing to meet each other. What do you need in this new chapter? Yeah. Who are you in this chapter? What the fuck am I supposed to do with it? You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's really interesting. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. Kelly, whenever I moved my office outside the house, oh, shush. Oh she was God. always like in the old house. She was like, you always interrupt me during I'm working. I was like, all right, cool. And then we moved to the new house and my office is like hundred yards away from the house, 50 yards away from the house. And then one day she walked in and I was like, who's inter who interrupts who now? Who is that? What is this? What is this? What is this lot? These lies that I was, I was told I was shamed for interrupting you during the day. And here I am one day I was, I was like a podcast. I had to actually re-record a whole podcast for the first time ever. And Kelly came in and started talking about her inner child. And I'm like, I'm putting out fires here. Like I'm, I got people and I got a podcast up. That sounds like I had recorded it in and like a, out through a, through a, a, a Pringles can. It was the only time it, it happened. Something happened. Like the roadcaster wasn't plugged in all the way. Yep. And so it just sounded awful. It was like, people were like, dude, what the hell? And it's my Patreon episodes. So these people are paying me money for this. And I'm like, shit, I had to redo the whole thing. And she comes in. It's like, I had this great talk and my inner child, this. And I was like, I had just, what, I just got like, a new therapist <laughs> and she was helping me understand my inner child in our intro call. And I was so excited because I really need a new therapist because I need some help. And I come in to share it with him and he was not available. Yeah, I was like in two monitors, like trying to figure out what's going on, trying to fix it. And I was looking up and I'm like, does this, is this anything about right now look like it's the time for this conversation? Okay. But I would just like to say that he interrupts my mornings. I interrupt the middle of his day. I like my quiet mornings with my coffee and like my music and doing my thing. And he comes in guns ablaze and ready for the day. Let's look at this property. Let's buy this crypto blob. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm not available. And then oh, I come in in the middle coffee, of the, the day. markets are opening, dude. I'm trying to see what's going on with it. How my day is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so 
like, you can't be taking time off like, when the markets are just <laughs> I opening. Cannot. So it goes Money both never ways. Sleeps. <laughs> Crypto markets open 24 seven dog. Like I got to see what's going on here. <laughs> so that's where we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Relatable. Yeah. It's resonates. good times, but this has been fun guys. Oh my God. We, so I know we much. could be 10 more hours. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do so it again. Much. And you know what? How exciting for you guys. Like, and, uh, yeah. And we're I'm just stoked. excited to do life with you. Kelly thinks we're having you twins. So opportunity. Ooh, Let's well, go. To, uh, you know, we'll I've got some empty arms. Great. Oh, good. <laughs> we need Mama Peyton real bad. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, my gosh. Thank oh. you both so much. Love we you love, you. So much. love you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having Congratulations. us. Congratulations. Thanks Thank so much. You.